So today we are in part seven of our um, study of the book of John. And it took us seven weeks to do to get to the fourth chapter. How long will it take us to get to the twenty first chapter? All things being equal. Who wants to solve that for us? Come up here and put it on the board. <laughs> any any takers? <laughs> Oh, yeah, now. Aren't you guys mathematicians? Oh, yeah, just Bible scholars. Okay. <laughs> so, did, did you do the homework for last week? That's the opening. Um, opening. Um, section. Did you do the homework for last week? And I want you to take that math sum as your homework for this week. If it took us. Seven weeks to get to the fourth chapter. How long will it take us to get to the 21st chapter of the book of John? There are 21 chapters in the book of John. That's the homework for next week. Um, last week's homework, who did it? Okay, we saying, was there an homework? <laughs> okay, the, the homework was, you know, we, we couldn't finish for time. And um, we, we said we should... We had about three sections to go. John 3.31, John 3.33, and John 3.34 to 36. And we said that we should go and, and read that. Do we remember? Okay. Um, so I will still enjoin you to please go home and read those passages of scriptures and, and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you himself. Our text today is a long one. Um, because we want to cover a lot of ground on one hand. On the other hand, it's, the, the story is like a complete story. It's a long story. It's popularly known as the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And it's from John chapter 4, from verse 1 to 42. Now, what we're going to do because it's a long um, passage of scriptures, we will read it alternatively, but not verse by verse. Not that you read one verse, I read the second verse. What's going to happen is you read two verses, then I will read two verses, then you read two verses. In fact, it will make sense with the story for us to read two, two verses. So maybe I should start. I'll read the first two verses, then you read the next two verses. So and on and on until we get to 42. Are we ready? Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did.
Ah, ah. You are not supposed to stop. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, uh. I think let's cannibalize on our feet. This one that you are in your living room, crossing your leg, <laughs> reading the Bible. <laughs> you are just going. I will read one and two. You read three and. I read five and six. You read. And on and on like that. Are we ready? Let's take it again from the top. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. Eventually, he came. It's me, it's me, it's my turn. Eventually, he came to, you see what, you just tweak something. People struggle with change, you know, cooperate with change. No pun intended. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Saika, near the field. Come on, guys. Can you go back? I know who is there behind the screen. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Saika, near the field that Jacob got to his son Joseph. He, no, 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 no. See me. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift, of, knew the gift God asked for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. 
you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Did someone bring him food? While it was while we were gone, the disciples asked each other. Then Jesus exclaimed, explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, one plant and another harvest, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, 
Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. The world, the Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his word in Jesus' name. God bless you, you may be seated. Now, did you feel that you just finished a mental exercise? <laughs> but you have to actually think and calculate. Then you paused. Then. <laughs> Next time, we'll read one verse, two verses, three verses, two verses, three verses. <laughs> we'll alternate even number, get to five, come back to four, come back to three, come back to two. It helps you um, think, you know. Many times we just do things like as robots, you know. We don't think, you know, and, and um, that was very useful. Now, so we jump right into it. <clears throat> Are you ready? I'm going, to, I'm going to stay away. I've done the teaching on this passage of scripture sometime last year. Do you remember? So I'm not going to repeat a lot of the things I, we, we shared there. Then I'm going to focus on on a different side and, and a, a whole lot of other things that we didn't talk about then. Obviously, there will be some intersections, but um, that is the, that's going to be the direction because of the time that we have. John chapter 4, 1 to 3 says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. Some so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Why did, why do you think Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee? Who wants to go? Why do you think Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. Can, can, we can all see it exactly. So Jesus was in Judea. Judea is here in the south. And he went to Galilee. I mean, I wish I had the map on from when we started um, the book of John. And do we understand when John would say, oh, he left for Galilee for, 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 for Galilee to Cana, and that is Cana, and that was chapter two. Then he left from Kenya to the um, to Judea. Then now he was baptizing in Judea, and he heard that um, the Pharisees. He knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing more people than John, and he moved from Judea, and <laughs> he found his way back to <laughs> to Galilee. You know, and John would tell us. The time of the of the week, the, the the time of the day rather, the day of the week sometimes, and it tells us exact locations, details that only a high witness would know. So the question is this: from the passage that we read, why did Jesus? Why do you think Jesus left Judea for Galilee? Who wants to go? Why? When he had heard that the Pharisees, when he had known that the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing more 
people than John. As soon as he heard that the Pharisees have heard, he packed his bag, hallelujah, and he moved to Galilee. Why did he have to do that? Why did he do that? Come on, who wants to go? Oh, okay, yeah. Please. Praise God. Hallelujah. I have two answers in my head. Two. <laughs> the first okay. one is that because God is all-knowing, Right. And because it wasn't time for him to confront the Pharisees just yet, so right. he had to just step aside. And he, because he knew what was going to happen with John the Baptist and all of those things, because God is all-knowing. Right. And then the second reason I have in my head is that he wanted to meet with a Samaritan woman right. to use her for the people in that area. So he needed to talk to her at that time, mm. meet her. And yeah, that's really the second question. Yeah. That's the one that you should answer. The, the, the first answer is correct, actually. The second one is also correct, but it's embedded in another question, which we will see in the outline. Thank you very much um, for that. Um, yeah, let's go for anybody else. Yes, there's, there's another hand there. Yeah. I think it was because he knew that they will not come to Samaria. Because they don't... He wasn't Jews... going to Samaria. He was going to Galilee. Oh, sorry. Okay. <clears throat> anybody else? <laughs> you see, it's good to have the map there. You can see. Anybody else? Okay, fine. That's it. That's fine. Okay, yes. There's a hand at the back. Let's just take that. No, that's, that's, that's no reason. He knew that... Okay, let me have him speak first. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, the ministry of Jesus was not the ministry of baptism. And um, if you read down that verse, he was not actually baptizing. He was his disciple. So he had to leave. Because his ministry was not the ministry of baptism. He was more of preaching the word. Okay, so I get you. So, so they, don't, they don't confuse him um, as John the Baptist part two. You know? And um, yeah, so if you listen to what um, the, the lady said, it wasn't his time. He knew that hmm, these people, let them carry their wala and go. He just packed his bag and he left. Now, you could see what about all the souls that were being baptized? Was he afraid? But like she said, he knew his time was not yet. He that fights and runs away lives to fight another day. Why Jesus was the baby? If they could carry Jesus and escape to Egypt, it's not weakness to hide yourself it's not weakness to hide yourself until an appointed time what is disgusting is when your appointed time has come and you are still hiding yourself then that is what is disgusting because heaven is waiting for you to show forth then you are still hiding yourself that's not what we are talking about but there's a time to hide yourself there's a time to hide yourself. You know, my grandmother would say that she's, she's, um, she, she was Yoruba and, and she didn't go to school, so she, couldn't, she doesn't speak English. So I'm going to say what she says in Yoruba and we interpret it. Is that okay? So, so she would say that, which means that. The, the, the child's hand must first lay hold on the sword 
before he begins to query who kills my father. Until then, the boy should run away because the people that killed his father are going to kill him. There's a time to run and there's a time to fight. Praise the name of the Lord. So, the next thing right there in front of us is John 4, 3 and 4. It says, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And, verse, and, and, and it says in verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. I mean, that is interesting. He had to go through. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Why did he have to go through Samaria? You could say, okay, Samaria, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Okay, I get that. So, if you are going to go from, um, if you are going to go from Judea to Samaria, sorry, from Judea to Galilee, the shortest distance is a straight line, right? Is to just go from here to here. But when the Bible says he, he has need, he needs go through Samaria, another translation says he had to go through Samaria. What usually happens is this the Jews from everywhere, when must come to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is in Judea, this is Jerusalem, is in Judea must come to Jerusalem for worship, big ceremonies. When they want to pray from anywhere they are in the world that is not Jerusalem, they need to open their windows towards Jerusalem and pray towards the city and all that. Now, the Jews that are living in, in Galilee, Sisera, in all the other places, in Joppa and all that, in Gaza, they had to make a trip to Jerusalem. Now, when they get to Jerusalem, if a Jew is coming from um, Galilee to Judea, to Jerusalem, he is going to come through Samaria. Praise the Lord. But after he has um, gotten... Anointing, if you will, in our own palace. After he's, he's, he's worshipped God, he's gotten purified, he feels pious and all that. When he's going from Judea to Galilee, he comes through this side, crosses Jordan, goes like this, crosses Jordan again, and comes to Galilee. They don't go through Samaria on their way from Judea to Galilee. Why? Because the, the Samaritans are seen as they can stain us. They are not pure. They are not, their way is not pure. <laughs> their lineage is not pure. <laughs> so they, they don't want to have anything to do with them after they've visited their God. So when the Jews come from Galilee to Judea, they go to Samaria. When they are going from Judea to Galilee, they boycott Samaria and take the longer journey towards the Capolis and cross Jordan again to Galilee. Now, Jesus 
was now going from Judea to Galilee. And the word of God says, put up that scripture again, that he had to go through Samaria on the way. So, why did he have to go through Samaria? I mean, <laughs> she was answering the question already. So, we'll just go on from there. He had to go through Samaria because there was a divine appointment with a Samaritan woman. God wanted to reach a woman. And, you know, he just threw away all the protocols, all the, you know, traditional rites of, of joining, you know, and all that. I just went straight. Because God wanted to meet with the lady. Now, God is not a respecter of persons. God can do anything to reach you. Praise the name of the Lord. God can break any rule to get to you. So, that question on your outline, which um, should be, why else do you think Jesus had to go to Samaria? You have the answer already. And from Jesus, we learned that the direction of God is more important than the direction of tradition. So that, that blank there is direction of God. The direction of God is more important. To get the direction and to go in the direction of God is more important than for you to go in the direction of your, of your father or of your mother or of your village or of your kingsmen. What is the direction God wants you to take? Take it, even if it means you have to go through Samaria. Take it. Your king's men or your village people may not agree. They may, they may say that is not how we do it. But if that's God's direction for you, do it. Verse 6. It says, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk. Now we're going to be pausing intermittently to, to, to ask for questions if you have them because we notice that by the time we go through the end, we usually wouldn't take questions at the end. Um, so if you have a question, just note it down and we'll take it. So Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Please give me a drink. <laughs> now, verses 6 and 7 shows us both the humanity and the humility of Jesus. Has someone explained from those passages of scriptures, how do we see the humanity of Jesus? It's pretty, well, it should be pretty obvious. And the humility of Jesus. What, what can we learn from, from the two? How do we see the humanity of Jesus in this passage of scriptures and the humility of Jesus? Who wants to go? Quickly. That's me. Yes, there's, there's a hand there. He was thirsty. Okay. Being human. Humility right. said, please. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he was weary and tired. Yes. He was, he was weary. He was tired. He was thirsty. I mean, this is Jesus 
the water of life. The rock that fed and, 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 and gave water to the Jews when they were in the wilderness. It was that rock. That was why there was an issue when Moses struck the rock. He's the maker of the heavens and the earth. And he walked on earth and he was tired. And he had to sit down. So it's okay to be tired. If you need to sleep, there's nothing wrong with it. Go and sleep. You know, <laughs> there was a time in my life that I used to be very guilty when I'm sleeping. I used to be very guilty. Why am I sleeping? There's so much work to be done. You know, God delivered me. Jesus was showing us that, look, it's okay to sit down. It's okay. It's okay to pause and gather yourself when you're tired. That's his humanity. His humility. <laughs> saw the woman. He was a man. In, those, in that culture and in those times, men, as we are going to see, they feel that they are like this and women are like this. So, for him to ask, and he asked nicely. If he decided to take the, the woman's bucket, I'm sure she couldn't fight him. And he said, please, give me some water. <laughs> and some of us can't even say please. We can't say please. We can't just be humble for a second. You've done something wrong. You can't even say sorry. You know? Say, I can't, how can you expect me to say sorry to you? You know? Why? Because when I was in, in Form 1, you were in Primary 1. If Jesus, the maker of the heavens and the earth, can't say please, then who are you exactly? Or who do you think you are? That you can't say please. It's humbling to see Jesus take this path of humility. I mean, it's like he owns everything, even the well. And he still said, please, can I have some water? Hallelujah. Okay, so do we have any questions? We'll pause for questions. Two minutes or two seconds. Yes, there's a hand at the back. Good evening. Good evening. Um, I just wanted to add, um, it also shows um, Jesus, um, we live in a time of racism, bigotry, and uh, people trying to be political correct. Um, so Jesus just didn't mind about what they thought about the Samaritans to ask for help because we are all the same at the end of the day. Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you very much. Even though again, you know, yeah, jumping ahead of us. <laughs> and it's a good thing. It's fine. It's okay. Um, we cannot overemphasize it, you know, that one person thinking is superior or one race thinks is superior. Even amongst black people, some people think I am 
and my race is better than yours. Even it's unbelievable, but we will get there. Verse 6 of John 4. Why did she come to fetch water at noon? The Jacob's well was there and she came at noon. Noon is the hottest part of the day. Hottest part of the day. When people don't come out to fetch water, they fetch in the morning or in the evening when it's cool because they need to carry the water and obviously go back home. It's a long journey and most, mostly the, the, the water sources are at the outskirts of the village, of the, of, of the settings. But she came at noon. Why do you think she came at noon? Once ago. Yes, and there's another hand at the back. Keep the hands up so that they can locate you. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And my hypothesis is, because I think water fetching is a communal thing. People go together to fetch water. Right. Because you just at the well and right. stuff like that. So, so many things happen at the well. Yeah. So yeah. if you are going at 12, when most people wouldn't want to go because mm-hmm. it's hot, it's probably because people don't like you and talk to you. They don't talk to you. They talk about you. Mm. So you're used to doing things by yourself. Mm. And she went at the time when nobody else would be there to judge her case. Amen. Absolutely. Correct. Absolutely correct. And, and that's... Yes, please. Good evening, Pastor. Yes, good evening. I think it was also a divine appointment by God because for her to go at that particular time when no one else go and for her to see Jesus, maybe had it been she had gone earlier, she wouldn't have met Jesus. So to me, I think it's a divine appointment. Amen. That is also correct. But the beauty of this is that Jesus would have met her at whatever time she wanted to if God determined for, for Jesus to meet with her. So, so what, 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 did, what, what that means for you and I is this. Sometimes we are ashamed. Sometimes there are things in our lives that you don't want to show up, maybe among your classmates. Why? Because everybody is driving Mercedes-Benz. You are driving Mercedes-Benz. And you, you take or kind of you stop three blocks away from the meeting. I've talked about myself. I used to do that. <laughs> You stop three blocks away from the meeting. Then you pay the other you dust your suits, you calm down, you stop, you, you drink some pure water to, to you wipe your face so that your, your temperature will come down. Then you enter the meeting, you know. And at the end of the meeting, everybody is, is going, you hang around at the lobby. And everybody goes into their cars, then you find a way of... Uh, Bikes stop stops. <laughs> so and Jesus was not ashamed of her. She was ashamed of herself. It was a suspicious time to come to the well. She had three husbands. She's had sorry five husbands, and the rabbis at that time had declared three to be the limit for women. <laughs> Men, they didn't give them limit to. You can marry. <laughs> but women, you cannot. If, you, if, you, if your husband divorces you first time, you marry another person. If that person divorces you, second, you marry three, that is maximum. You become an outcast. But Jesus was not ashamed of her. 
there may be things in your life that you think you are ashamed of. Jesus is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you. Like this woman is reaching out to you. He wants to have a conversation. He wants to minister to your needs. Will you cooperate with him? You know, it's interesting that he asked the woman for water. The woman did not even say, why are you asking me for water? You know, gave him attitude. Why are you asking me for water? You that you are a Jew. What are you doing? Give the man some water. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 9. Verse 9. The woman says, The woman was surprised for the Jews refuse to have anything to do with the Samaritans. The Jews refused to have anything with the Samaritans. Why? Why? You see, the nation of Israel broke up into two. The northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was Judea. Now, the northern kingdom was taken over by, 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 by the Assyrians now and made, took the people captive. Now, what they did was that they brought in, deliberately, the Assyrians brought in colonists to Shechem and eventually Samaria to marry, if you will, forcefully the women, the Jewish women, while they took their men as free labor to their countries. So the product of those colonists and the Jewish women became the Samaritans. They were like half-caste, basically. They were in pure breed. Now, when... So that was a problem by itself. And it was a deliberate strategy of the Assyrian king. Now, when Babylon took over Judea, 600 B.C., Captives, everybody went. 70 years after Daniel, God sent 43,000 people, allowed the king of Babylon to send 43,000 people to come and rebuild Jerusalem. And these people were fiercely resisted by the Samaritans. In fact, obviously because the Samaritans didn't want the pure breed to exist. Because they were feeling inferior already. So they had to Fight, it was difficult, but the nation was built. So the pure breed that were around Samaria in Judea spread to Galilee around. Hated the Samaritans because they saw them as impure. They saw them as Signs of colonization. <laughs> they saw them as 
the people that the enemy used to oppress us because that's who their father was. So, the enmity was a big deal. In fact, there was a rabbi known as Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer was a contemporary of Jesus. You know, remember in, in chapter 1, we said that the time when John the Baptist and Jesus were in ministry, there was a huge rabbinic movement. Do you remember? There were a lot of scholars and rabbis at the time. In fact, the name rabbi was just taking form at the time of Jesus. And many times they would call Jesus rabbi. Many times they would call John the Baptist rabbi. So this rabbi, very powerful rabbi, a contemporary of Jesus, said, it is written historically, documented in Jewish text, that he that eats bread of the Samaritans is like the one who eats the flesh of swine. So it was, it was, it was, religious, a religious institution, that hatred, was not just political. That if you, if you eat the bread, obviously drink the water of the Samaritan, it's like you are eating a pig. You know what a pig is to a Jew? It's an abomination. And that is coming from the authorities, the religious authorities of the day. So, why would you have anything to do with me, a Samaritan woman? And like Kelechi said, at this time, we have people that are racist. We used to think that racism and segregation is just between light-skinned people and that's as in the Caucasians and, and, and Africans or African descent, people of African descent. But the more we grew up, we saw that segregation is even among black people. Some people think that they are superior in different cultures. Even among the Yorubas, the tribes are feel superior to the others. Oh, oh! someone was said to me, oh, those were the ones we conquered in the Yoruba war. They were, they were slaves. And he was saying it with so much arrogance. In the Igbo people, in the Igbo tribe, they have the Osus. These are Osus. Don't ever. People grow up with parents telling them, if you bring an Osu into this house, I'm going to disown you. The question is that you are a Christian today. If your child wants to marry an Osu, what would you say? So people are like, ah, pastor, can't you find somebody else? It shows that you have the seed of segregation. You can abuse Trump from now until tomorrow. It means that you, you yourself, you have a problem. And that problem is what Jesus has come to solve. And you need help as much as the white guy that thinks the black guy is a monkey. You need help. Even among normal people, there are men that would say, 
They will not marry a woman except she's light-skinned. So what happened to all the dark-skinned sisters? What's going to happen to them? A sister says, oh, I can't marry him. He's short. He's not tall. What happens to the normal average height brothers? Not short, but average height. What happens? So we build walls of segregation, of partitioning. We say, don't marry Jebu. I mean, those people, they can't do winch for you. <laughs> you want to marry from Bini? Ah, they will tell you, guide your destiny. Ah, you want to marry a Kalabage? I don't need to say anything. <laughs> so, so, so we, we, we put walls where God has not put walls. So Jesus came and demonstrated that in the midst of racial discrimination, I am associating with you, a Samaritan woman, not for me helping you or giving you aid, for me asking you to give me water. Whoa. Whoa. Many of us can relate with the people we think we are superior to if we are handing them stuff. But what about asking them for help? Like Jesus did. If we read Ephesians chapter 2, I know there's a scripture before that, I will come to that scripture. But Ephesians chapter 2, 12 to 14. It says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship amongst the people of Israel. That's you and I. And you did not know the covenant promises of God. You know, you know the covenant that we're talking about? Abrahamic covenant, right? Remember that teaching? That he made with them. It says, you lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, everybody say, but now. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. We are spiritual Jews. I've explained that before. Our oppression is not, it's, it's, it's not, a, it's not we, Christianity as Jesus wanted it is not a religion. It's to have a people that are separated for him and for his kingdom. That, that's what he wants. Into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So every time you bring an issue of tribe and race to your decision making, you are making mockery of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. Every time. Every time 
You say, hmm, be careful of that uh, Fulani man. Don't marry a Fulani man. I know it's a very sore topic right now. But guess what? The blood of Jesus is stronger. Praise the name of the Lord. Do you believe that the blood of Jesus is stronger? It is stronger. It is stronger. Every time we make decisions based on tribal sentiments, we make mockery of the blood. And it's the same blood you are trying to plead over your house. And heaven is looking at you and saying, <laughs> which one? And you see, the fact that Jesus did these people well, quote and unquote, they didn't reciprocate down the line. And you, you can read Luke 9, 51 to 56. Let's just read it quickly. Luke 9, 51 to 56. It says, Luke 9, 51 to 56. Luke 9, 51 to 56. Okay, write it down. Okay. At the time, and as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set his face to Jerusalem. Set his face to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. He thought, I've, I've ministered to these people. I've, I've, I've shown them love. I've you know, shown them that we are one. What happened? But the people of the village did what? Did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, give us permission and let us call down fire from heaven and burn this city. Let's destroy it totally. <laughs> Talking about the, at the governors of wealth meeting yesterday that the issue is not if God has the power enough for us. The issue is can God trust us with the power? Many of us will have burnt out down cities. You know, if we are so anointed. And, <laughs> but Jesus said, turn them and rebuke them. You know, they felt what, what nonsense. We stooped low. We humbled ourselves to associate with you. Now, our master is saying, I mean, I want to pass through. Let's show them sample. <laughs> but you see, the spirit of Christ is not the spirit that destroys people. The spirit of Christ is the spirit that unites people, that brings people together. Verse 9. Again, we are still in verse 9. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. You see, it's bad enough that I am from Samaria. I'm a Samaritan, you know, and you are a Jew. But I am a Samaritan woman. Big issue. Why are you asking me for a drink? Oh, <laughs> and the woman says, I have. Did she just have a Samaritan? Is it, she doesn't know she's a woman. So why did she have to say, I'm a Samaritan woman? Then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him 
talking to a woman. They were shocked. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking with her? You know how it is. For those of us that have been in positions of authority, when you make a decision, like the people that you are leading don't understand. And they are looking at you that, but they don't have the guts to say, because you can call down fire from him. <laughs> I'm joking. No. Jesus wasn't <laughs> towing the line. Jesus was, was toasting a babe. By the well. Do you know what happens at the well? The well is where... Isaac, Rebecca, traditionally, you know how they found it was by the well, you know. Usually, young, young adults will hang out at the well, you know, to have a conversation, show off your power, carry the load for the girl, carry her water for her, you know. <laughs> that, that is what happens at the well. Then the disciples came and saw Jesus talking to a woman, Samaritan woman, broad daylight by the well. Excuse me, what, did they, what was going through their mind? Sometimes we read the Bible and we just assume that these people had pure thoughts. What was going through? What caused the shock? <laughs> say, finally, your God don't find the girl. <laughs> we talk calm, see? <laughs> we want to see how long this guy will be without finding a babe. But do you know be wood? <laughs> try and put yourself in that conversation. I mean, when you read the Bible, that's what you should try and do. Try and put yourself in who do you think started the conversation? Peter. Does it John? Can you see what I'm saying? <laughs> John says, shh, 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 shh. Ogama's not here. Ogama's not here. Tedio says, Can you even see how he's uh, relaxed? This guy was hungry and tired when we left. Now he's not even under pressure. He's not hungry. He's all, he sent us to quickly go and get food. Now he's just relaxed, having a chatting. But Lomio said, we are not children. <laughs> we are not children. <laughs> we can see what is going on. But none of them could ask him. What are you doing with this woman? Praise the name of the Lord. Talking to a woman was, was, so, was a big deal. It was a popular rabbinic saying in Jesus' time that better than the law be bond than deliver to a woman. In our culture, we struggle to really see the big deal with Jesus talking to a woman. 
In Jesus' time, the rabbis would say to their disciples, it's better you burn the law than hand it over to a woman. That was how demeaning they related with women. The Pharisees used to say at that time that each time a man looks at a woman, he inherits Gehinom. Gehinom is, 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 is like um, hellfire. Yes. But it's the, it's the purgatory part of hellfire. This is the myth that the fire will purify you. So, so the Pharisees will say every time a man looks at a woman, women will just cover themselves and look down. Men will just ignore them and keep going. If you look at a woman, hellfire. <laughs> and this was the rabbi that John says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he's not only looking at a woman, he's looking at her eyes and he's talking to her in a relaxed way. Hellfire. It was a big deal. And in general, did you know, at the time, in general, men do not speak to their own wives in public. They don't. That's why you will understand the cultural, the cultural setting when Paul was talking to the Corinthian church that let the woman ask questions at home. When he wanted to put order in the disorder that was in the church in Corinthians, it was like, the, you should ask questions from our husband at home. I, I read it and said, why can't she ask in church? Why can't she ask when they are sitting there in church? No, they have to get home. So that was the place the woman was put. But unfortunately, there are cultures today that still want to subjugate women and say the woman is the property of the man. You have to rise against it because it's not of God. Praise the name of the Lord. It's not of God. There are women that are like, oh, but it's my husband. Pastor, what do you want me to do? I say, nothing. No, I don't want you to do anything. If, if, if that rope is good in your neck, continue. And it shall come to pass on that day that his yoke shall be taken off your neck and is burden from off your shoulders when you become restless. I'm, I'm married, in case you want to know. <laughs> and my wife is listening to this message right now, in case you want to know. Your wife is not your property. She chose to marry you. Everybody say Choose. She chose to marry you. And every day you are married to her is a privilege because she's still choosing to remain married to you. Say, Pastor, don't talk like that. Oh, oh, we are Christians. Don't talk like that. Don't don't talk like that. I should talk like how? It's the Bible. (laughs) 
Okay, I think I need to leave this zone now. <laughs> people are about to pee in your pants. <laughs> ah! Again, we've gotten to a place where we need to stop. There's so much to be done. <laughs> but time, time, time. Everybody say time, time, time. Has gone by so quickly again. Uh, okay, what we are going to do this time? Because I've noticed if I if I say do it at home, <laughs> the, the report, the result I got today was not very encouraging. <laughs> so next week, come with this outline. Is that okay? They <laughs> are clapping. Clap for God. Though. I'm excited about that. Come with this outline. So what's going to, what we're going to do is we're going to just come quickly and finish it then get into what we have to do next week you know, so that um, everybody is on the same page. So the question to you today is this. The question to you is this. Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. With whom do you have no dealings? Woo, woo, with whom do you have no dealings? Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. With whom would you have your children have no dealing? With whom? With whom? With whom? I want to pray with you today. I mean, you may be here and you're like, Pastor. I need help from God. I want to give my life to Jesus. So I used to be born again, but I backslid in that. Can I come back to God? I've gone away from God. I'm not in fellowship with God. Can I come back to God? If that is you, wherever you are, put up your hands over your head, and I'll pray with you quickly. The rest of us, let's talk to God. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my, my sister. God bless you, my brother. Right there, at that corner. God bless you. Keep the hands up. I want to pray with you. I want to come back to God. God bless you. That is me. God bless you. Keep the hands up. That is me. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. Once you have the card, you can pull down that hand and talk to God. Anybody else? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to commit to him today. Put up that hand over your head. I will pray together. Once you have the card, you can pull down the hand and talk to God. Have mercy upon me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. I come to you. Make me yours forever. Father, we thank you for Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.